0: Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22nd, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Catherine Pierce, and I'm the Poet Laureate for the State of Mississippi. Welcome to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, a podcast where poetry comes alive for listeners. Across the country and the world, poets are writing right now and creating vibrant, important poems that enlighten, entertain, challenge, and comfort. Some of these incredible poets are writing right here in Mississippi. Each episode of the Mississippi Poetry Podcast will feature a different poet with Mississippi connections. We'll hear a poem, chat a bit, and maybe learn a fun fact or two. I'm so glad to be welcoming Adam Clay to the podcast today. Adam Clay's latest book is To Make Room for the Sea from Milkweed Editions in 2020. He directs the Center for Writers and edits Mississippi Review at the University of Southern Mississippi. Adam, thank you so much for taking time to talk poems with me today.
1: Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me here. I'm really happy to be here.
0: My pleasure. I'm glad that you're on. So I'm going to start us off with a non-poetry question, because I think it's nice to get to know our poets as people, also because I've always find it entertaining. So here is my question for you. If you could explore either space or the deepest parts of the ocean, which would you choose and why? And let's say that you're not going to, you're not going to die doing either of these things. Like it's relatively safe. So which of those would you rather do and why?
1: I'm glad you offered that qualification. That's great. Um, I think if you'd asked me a few days ago, I might've said space, but I just watched gravity rewatched the movie gravity with my daughter recently and sort of space feels kind of terrifying a little bit. So the ocean is is calling to me. Um, I think, I think probably the ocean, I don't know. I was thinking about that movie a little bit and the way, um, they talk about how it's sort of soundless up there, like the the space, there's no sound and that terrifies me a little bit. I think there's something kind of calming about the ocean and the sound of the ocean. I think also I'm kind of interested in sort of the things that are happening around us every day and not just the things that are kind of distant and far. So there's something about the ocean that kind of appeals to me in terms of like what could be under there that kind of is like you know in our lives so close that we just aren't aware of. So I'm really kind of
0: intrigued by the ocean. So I think that's probably my pick if I had to choose one. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I think about that too. Like what's it's right here. Like what is under there that we're not seeing. And sometimes I'll watch those documentaries on, you know, the midnight zone, the deepest parts of the ocean. And I am just fascinated by the creatures that live down there. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So, all right. Well, thank you. I think that's what I would choose too. So I, I like knowing that, that you would also choose that. Okay. So what are you going to be reading for us today?
1: Um, So I have a poem from my second book of poetry um, called Goodbye to All That, The Birds Included, is the poem. Goodbye to All That, The Birds Included. There are some other things in the painting I didn't see the first time around. The hull of a car, the trash scattered in the air, and scholars thought they were birds. I kind of did too. After all this time, goodbye to all that and this and that. I hope the insects become magnetic to eat plastic hillsides to pull a drone down even. It might even be a collage now that I'm looking closer. What does any of this even mean? What is there in the world we do not say goodbye to? Goodbye to war? A scholar once said that war makes us rhyme with each other and music is the fluttering trash in the collage or painting or whatever we want to call it. It is under glass. So I place my face up against the reflection and wait for it to pull me inside.
0: Thank you so much Adam. I love the way the questions work in that poem. I, that's just it's really it's a really powerful use of questions. Could you talk to us a little bit about Something about the writing of that poem, to share something about where it came from or what you were thinking about as you were writing it.
1: Yeah, I I guess I wrote this poem, well, I was working on a sequence of poems for this collection. This is actually my dissertation for my PhD. So I was writing it when I was in school. And um, I was writing a series of ekphrastic poems, which I can just sort of talk about briefly. Um, An ekphrastic poem is a poem that sort of engages with a visual work of art, a painting, um, maybe a movie even. Uh, Maybe even I don't know someone who's dancing. Like I think some a poem that sort of engages with another work of art. And I was really intrigued by visual art and writing a lot of poems that communicated with with another another like art form. Um, But the poems just all kind of felt like they weren't working. Um, I don't know there was something kind of missing. I felt like the poems. I don't know. I guess with that frastic poetry, oftentimes I think about the poem kind of functioning on its own without needing the art. ultimately, but I felt like my poems needed the art to sort of make sense. <laughs> um, and so I kind of had this real revelation one day where I realized, you know, like I'm writing all these poems about real works of art, but maybe I could write like a poem about a painting that doesn't really exist. And I can kind of just make it up. Um, and so of all those poems that I wrote for that sequence, um, they all kind of, I kind of threw them all away. I kind of put them aside. And this is the one poem that kind of survived from the whole experience. And it's kind of, Um, what I call a fake frastic poem. So it's kind of like, it's sort of ekphrastic, but about a work of art that doesn't really exist, Um, which whenever I tell people like that, they're kind of like, oh, that's really, that's too bad. I want to see this work of art, but it's, yeah, it's not real. So you can't find it anywhere.
0: I I really, I love the idea of a fake frastic. I have not tried that, but now I really want to. So when you wrote the poem, did you, like, how thoroughly had you envisioned the imagined piece that you were basing it on?
1: Yeah, I guess I, I'm not a, I'm not an artist. I can't really paint or draw. So it's hard for me to really sort of like even do something on the page, but I guess I was kind of thinking pretty thoroughly about it. Actually, I was, I, I was really obsessed with Joseph Cornell's work of works of art, um, his boxes, um, which are these kind of really interesting collages that, um, you know, kind of juxtapose things together. So I was really thinking about his work specifically, but kind of imagining like a work maybe that doesn't exist. But I, I had sort of thought of this whole thing pretty, yeah, pretty fully before I wrote the poem for sure.
0: That's I think it's such a it's such an interesting idea to to play with these. <sighs> these older forms, right? I mean, like frastic poetry has been around for ages and I, I love the idea of saying, well, sure. Yeah. We're going to make up our new version of it. This is going to be a fake frastic poem. We're just going to invent all parts of this, you know, all, all parts of this dialogue. Thank you. So, what is a piece of advice that you as a poet would give to other poets, to poets who are maybe starting out, people who maybe want to write poetry but haven't written a lot of it, or for people who are already writing poems and want to continue it and and get better at it, do more of it, what's some advice that you would give to aspiring or working poets?
1: I guess the main thing I would say to someone who really wants to write poetry or any, any kind of writing really is that you just have to write a lot. I think sometimes we think of writing as this kind of like, thing that happens when we're inspired, that we're kind of like, we hear, we, we hear a line out loud or we see something in the world and we're like, I'm gonna write that, write that down. But I think, I think writing is really a skill that we have to sort of develop and foster. Um, and so I think writing a little bit every day, even if it's a line or two, is really kind of training the brain to be, to be a poet. Um, I think the advantage of that also is that it kind of allows you to throw things away kind of recklessly. Um, I think because I wrote all those other poems um, before, and I got to this one, I think I had to write those poems to write this one. Um, and those poems will never be published. And that's kind of sad in some ways, but in some ways it's kind of okay. Cause it feels like writing a poem is not just about what's on the page but kind of what you've done before. So I don't know why we treat writing that it's like this inspired thing that people are like born a writer. Um, I think writing is something you really can learn and you can develop and practice. And if you write a poem every day, or even a line every day, you almost are teaching yourself to look out in the world at things to write about. And it kind of filters how you view it. So I really think um, being a little reckless and write a lot is really, is really good advice.
0: I think that's fantastic advice. The idea of being reckless as a writer. And I think too, what you were saying about it kind of takes the pressure off, right? If you, if you write a lot, then you can get rid of stuff and you don't have to feel precious about everything that you write. It doesn't all have to be the best thing it won't all be the best thing most of it probably won't be and that's okay right. <laughs> right i mean that's part of the that's part of the work sometimes i talk to my students about that idea of practicing too and we talk about other things that you need to practice at other things that you need to do to get good at them whether it's playing an instrument or you know working out if you go to the gym or play a sport or whatever um you're a distance runner right I and know. so do do you do you feel like there are any overlaps between poetry and and running for you?
1: I do. I think, I mean, I think especially if you're running races, um, I kind of feel like writing, running a race is sort of like writing a poem. And I think I'm kind of training for that when I'm writing every day. Um, You know, I think for every book that I've published, I've probably written four or five times the amount that sort of doesn't end up in the book. You know, you go out and run some days and you have really great training days. Usually you don't though. Usually the training days are terrible. You don't wanna go, it's cold out, it's too hot out, there are bugs, you know, it's just, you kind of feel miserable. Um, But I think kind of, that's how writing is sometimes. You write a poem and you're like, this is not very good. I don't think this is working and that's okay, you know? Um, But I think once you kind of of get to that point where you feel like, you know, I'm gonna write a poem now, Um, What Denise Lebertoff says that when we write every day, we're setting the table for the muse. And I love that idea. You know, we're preparing, we're not always going to be inspired, but I think if you're practicing towards being inspired, it's more likely to happen. And I think you'll be ready when it shows up.
0: Thank you. I think that's, that's, I love that advice. And that's advice that I think I don't always follow, but the idea of trying to just sit down and do the work, even if you're not, even if you don't feel like it, even if you're, you know, tired or busy, you can maybe make time to write even a line or two. Um, and I think that that's a great way to think about it. Thank you. So, all right, Adam, one more question. Uh, where could we find more of your work?
1: Um, probably the best place to find my, my work would be through my press, Milkweed Editions. Um, they they have published the last um, three of my books actually, and my fifth one will be coming out from them pretty soon. So the best place really to find my work is through, through their site, um, which um, I believe is milkweed.org.
0: Perfect, great. Well, thank you so much. Adam Clay, for talking to me today about poems and the ocean and running and all of this good stuff and for sharing your advice. And thank you everyone for listening to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, where poetry comes alive.